This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. fabulous person with me today. She and I interact on a semi-regular basis here and there um, through different means, sometimes Twitter, which I'm not on any longer. And then I had a forum, which I deleted, and she was up in there, and she's been in the speakeasy section of the Cosmic Salon. Jerry and I have had her on our show over on... Well, I'm not sure where it is now, but the Nox Mente Obelisk stuff. And now she is finally coming to the marquee of the Cosmic Salon. So I want to welcome in my friend, Miss Occult Priestess. Girl, how are you doing? Nish, I'm so excited to be here with you. And I'm bowing <laughs> at you right now. Thank you so much for having me in your lovely little palace. I appreciate it. You're such a darling. I love you. Since this is uh, the marquee event, child, we've got the flashing lights and everything. Let's just start at the beginning and let's go from there and build. So I'm going to take you on a left turn because the beginning sounds like I might be asking you about your childhood, but I'm not doing that. I want to get to something first. How did you come to be the occult priestess? And let me preface this. Before 
I knew you. I would see you around in chats everywhere and loved your energy and the way you interact with people. And the name is just very, it sticks out. It's um, something that catches the eye. And I think this is a, a lovely quality, by the way. But it always stuck with me. And so I always knew this is a cult priestess. Here's a cult priestess. Here's a cult priestess. As opposed to like, say, here's Jane, here's Jane, here's Jane something. So it sticks out, it's provocative, and you behind a cult priestess are provocative because you're not exactly what the mind brings to an image of it because of your stance on actually the occult. So let's talk about occult priestess. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, So I needed a title is what I felt And none of the titles, I'd been called priestess for many years because I was a high priestess of Wicca with a coven and a store, an occult store and all of that. But I was reinventing myself. I wanted to be more of the counselor and not so much the retailer anymore. So I was transitioning around age 30 into my new self or more graduated energy self. And I knew I needed a new title. I had been called my pagan name for over 10 years, and that was Banshee, and the Irish forewarner of death. And a cult priestess came to me through help of my spirit guide, Hermes. We were together looking for a title. I try not to make too many decisions just on my own. I'm always looking for advice from the higher realm of what I should be doing because I see them as the directors of my life. And the only word that we could find that was different than high priestess, which is correct, was what word encapsulates all of my studies, all of my knowledge and past life knowledge, and the knowledge that I have been gaining through spiritual experiences. And the word that I could come up with was the occult. And I thought it used to be a very respected word in the 1800s, early 1900s. If you were an occultist, it usually meant you had a life of leisure You had money so that you had the time to go through the rituals and initiations of the occult. And it's for the normal working person, it's very difficult to fit in this type of spiritual dedication, learning, and knowledge when you're working a nine-to-five job. Indeed. And to me, it's still an esteemed title despite what has been happening recently. And we see these waves. Um, mm-hmm. People lose context. And then then witch hunts happen over, con- you know, things that have lost context, things that have lost their roots and are floating around. And so the word occult has been commandeered and it is part <laughs> of something rather nasty out there. Again, with this idea of the 
leisure involved, which is what the cosmic salon's all about. It's not a hair salon, child. It's okay. a salon. And it is a place where great minds would come together. It's a place where people would come together and share hypotheses and ideas and maybe some laughs and perhaps other things of interest. And so the idea of the occult to me is still sacred and it will always be sacred, just like other words that are out there that are being drugged through the mud currently. So again, that's what piqued my interest. So let's talk about when you had a shop. Did you have a brick and mortar? Yes. Let's talk Twice. about that for a minute. <laughs> I, I love this. This is very fabulous. And just one more note on the occult priestess. We did, we're reclaiming it. It's like a pride word. Yes. And I think that, it's up to us, the strong ones, to reclaim these things and to go against the current of the lemmings who are just following the narrative. And there's so much um, occult bashing going on that I've been quiet on a lot of the more major platforms. And I'm mostly giving it privately on Rockfin because it's a subscription platform. And I know that I'm appreciated there. And I think that we need to gravitate towards those who are really supporting the deeper work, the great work. I'm with you. Absolutely. There was a time, and this is part of why there is this idea of an ascension. I'm not talking from any theology. I'm talking about an internal process that includes internal initiations where uh, there's an idea of the profane out there. There's no need to bring the sacred or cast pearls before swine. There's no need. And part of valuing the process within self is understanding that. For some people, that's a harder place to get to. For others, they naturally understand this concept. And it's interesting to watch, especially now when it's interesting, again, watching how easily manipulated masses of people are. And you and I circle round these ideas and these people out there talking and we encounter each other. We see what people are saying and we see what's obvious and we see what's obscured, what's occulted. And that is hearkening to there's never been a better time to have a speakeasy, a sacred veil, something, you know, as easy as Rockfin, where certain people, if they want, can get there if they want to hear. Other people don't get to hear. And this is probably because they're not ready. I find oftentimes ridicule is based in ignorance. It's amazing how many fools are out there how many one-eyed fools in the land of the blind there are girl <laughs> and <laughs> and so it's it's never been a better time to actually have a refined palate and discretion between you and the outer world so i appreciate this in you thank you and i appreciate you holding this space and inviting people like us to come talk and educate 
your fans, your crowd, and hi, everybody out there. And I'd like to say hi to the the Kremies. <laughs> oh, we love the Kremies. <laughs> They're so wonderful. So let's talk about your brick and mortars. Okay. Well, let's see. The first store that I happened upon uh, was actually owned by a friend that was a witch in the local community, but I had moved on to a different state. And then I found out that she had been selling, she was going to sell her store. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I went to sleep that very night and had a dream, like a vision dream that we bought the store, me and my husband and my mother-in-law. And the dream was so very, very detailed that I had to share it. And it turned out that I was also pregnant right around this time, (laughs) which was totally wild. And so my very happy mother-in-law, going to be a grandmother, was like, sure, let's invest in this. Let's do this. And so we all converged onto my hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio, and I opened the occult shop Mm. on the um, ashes of my old friend's store, which was also a pagan store. So there was already somewhat of an established community, but people already knew who I was too, because I'd been a psychic in the community for many years at that point. So it was an exciting time in my life because what I was doing Sweetheart, I want you to know what I was actually doing was following the playbook of other people in the spiritual communities and what I felt you were supposed to do. Mm. Yes. Like there was a formula. First, you get a retail store and you build community through that. Then you write books and then yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. It's it's as if it was laid out or printed somewhere and I'd read it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was really, my goal had always been community 100%. And I know your ancient soul also knows community is number one. Yes. But the only way I could get to it was to create the space, and that space had to be around money. I mean, what else do we have? Oh, so yeah. So retail yeah. was the only way. And then I began a myriad of events throughout the year to involve the pagan community and to bring them out into the light and into the newspapers and, you know, have a real loving community. And it wasn't about competing with any other religion, it was about saying, hey, we're all the same in not in a communistic way, but in the way that we should all be treated as equals. And pagans have been hunted, <laughs> hunted for centuries. And it's even not truly accepted now in many places. Right. So I was trying to give us, again, like saving the word occult. And I think as a 50-year-old woman now looking back, my ambition was too big for these people. Mm. They couldn't have my vision. They couldn't, their hearts weren't big enough to really dedicate to this vision that I had for them. And so around age 30, it was time for me to give everything up and leave because it wasn't working. 
And then after that, I had my first ego collapse and Mm. I started having visions daily and I started dreaming while I was awake. Mm. And I believe it was my first Kundalini awakening. And so I became a full-time visionary after that, no longer able mentally or emotionally or even physically to run an occult store by myself. Um, But several years later, I worked with a partner who wanted me to help her open her occult store, but it became we became business partners. And I did that for a few years too. Again, banging my head against some mad bugger's wall and <laughs> trying to <laughs> build community and bring everything that was ancient and good back to a shiny new, beautiful, established garden for my gods and my guides and say, look what I can do. But again, it takes a whole community and that just wasn't, no one could see what I was seeing. I love hearing all this and it's interesting so many times, especially as ladies, the moves we make around 30 right after Saturn return are, mm-hmm. are in, interesting to track. And especially those of us with a certain, um, well, with a je ne sais quoi. And so a good occult store is hard to find. Indeed. And you and I come from a generation where there were good occult stores that were on their last leg. Yes. <laughs> and um, and they did exist, and we were witness to them. And so it's something that's hard to present to people in language. It's these kinds of stories that you just know when you're in them. Spirit dwelleth within. It's the right combination of elements, both physical and non, both seen and unseen. It's the right combination of where the location is. There's a whole bunch that goes into it, but it is something that is a gift to the community. I rarely encounter good occult stores in the last 20 years. It, it They're just so rare. But I have the memory of the good old ones. And it was my goal to resurrect one. And then I knew it was not going to happen because of where we are now. And I have a problem with shining it attracts a lot and i know i heard this in some of what you were saying it becomes a difficult thing to navigate when you know things are attracted to your your shining and you can't necessarily field all that when you're just in the open shop (laughs) and anyone can walk in and so Yeah, I love hearing this, though, and it's a great experience. So that is wonderful because I did not know that. So when we're talking about this, though, these experiences, how do you walk the world where you are now? Because a lot of times we don't understand these principles until we move into at least the fourth gate, which is the 40s. With that said, Looking back at your life, do you consider yourself, and I don't care if you took a Myers-Briggs or a Kiersey Grammar test, I don't care. I think we've talked about those in one of my forums anyway. Mm -hmm. 
how do you see yourself on this scale? And I'm talking to you as a an awakened psychic being. Which scale? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which scale exactly? The um so on the scale of where your energy comes from, is your energy internally generating or is your energy externally generated Mm -hmm. extroversion introversion yes well i found as at age 30 when my ego collapsed i literally forgot my name my address i was a spirit being within a body which Mm -hmm. is very weird (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so the more these kinds of experiences began happening to me without any kind of medication or drugs or anything like that this is purely natural, energetic awakenings. My ego, my defense system in this world that keeps me fed and clothed and bathed also broke down and degenerated during these times. And so when I came back to full waking personhood consciousness, my physical self fully in control of my faculties, My ego was still very light as a feather, as we would say, on that scale of ma'at against my heart. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my very, I had a series of ego deaths. It was over 20 of them. And it happened over, well, 15 years, I believe. I'm not good at math when I'm, you know, explaining these things, but I have it all written in a journal. So going through becoming a spirit person, but then coming back into ego land where I had to pay rent (laughs) Mm -hmm. and do all of these mundane things all the time. I learned like a rubber band how to bounce back and how to do both. Now I can get in states of consciousness that I cannot control. This is true. Um, I could have an awakening at any time. I don't know what triggers them. I believe they are initiations. Yes. And they are very, very hard on me. And I can have many initiations, which I think you do too, which is to have a vision during your waking day that is so powerful that you're crying or shaking or doing something else like that at the end of it. Your hormones are just in a tizzy. And it's like having a tempest into your day because you just went through this huge visual experience that was also fully audio, emotional, the whole nine. And it's sometimes it's about the future, but sometimes you're being contacted about the now. But also sometimes what they do to me is take me very high up. I call it upstairs. Uh, Sometimes it looks like heaven to me. And there we have initiations with symbology. So I go through these little plays with them. And at the end, there's usually some kind of graduation point. And I am given something uh, energetically that is symbolic, such as a crown or a sword or a scepter. Does this sound familiar to you? Of course it does. I figured it would. (laughs) (laughs) So as... My ego became bubblegum. 
I couldn't defend myself as much in this world. So introvert was the way to go, hermit all the way. Um, I have a few close friends and, of course, cool people like you that I can associate with and work with. And I love that. But to the common man, I am persona non grata. I can't even have a mundane conversation for over 30 minutes without triggering something in someone. Yes, same here. Exactly. And so uh, my clients are very special people, too, I believe, because they can hear through their own static. And that static is very much ego. And that's what I try to heal in my clients. I try to heal the ego so that we can talk to, communicate with, and eventually grow the soul. Because that's what I think we're here for. Mm. So when we're looking at the idea of the soul, could you elaborate on that? What is the soul to you? And even if you take us through a journey of what you thought it was to what it is now, <laughs> however you get there. <laughs> so what I thought it was is hilarious. <laughs> One of my old friends, business partners was like, you have to read Seed of the Soul by Gary. I don't remember his name, but Seed, Seed of the Soul. And I tried to read it, and I was like, this makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, I, I, It's as if it was not in English. That's how weird it was to me. And my education came from above, and it was from, well, I've worked with Carl Jung for many, 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 many years since I was a teenager. He has been a huge mentor in my life. But an even bigger mentor is Hermes, the Greek god, and he told me all about psyche. And now psyche means soul. But these were mysteries that it took me a long time to get to. I had to go through all Western psychology. It's almost as if I was forced to learn my culture before I was allowed to know the mysteries, which is like double work. And it totally sucks, right? <laughs> and it's so worth it. Well, true, but Kate Bush has a song that completely describes this, um, that she's working so hard and she's, um, oh my goodness, well, they're telling me suspended in gaffa. So if you guys want to look up a Kate Bush song, I guess that fits better. <laughs> suspended in gaffa. Mm -hmm. So go ahead, Nish. Well, I, I wasn't sure if you were finished with the soul. Oh, I'm okay. Thank you. I just needed to be redirected. <laughs> so Psyche, the Greek goddess, Psyche means soul. I had already studied psychology and I had eventually come to the conclusion that psychology was a very Nazi-like tool to control humanity. Yes. And it was basically to normalize you nowadays, normalize you back into a sick society with drugs or manipulation, whatever they're using on people. So I honestly see it as a form of black magic. Yes. So if people only knew what they were doing. And so I know that true psychology, psyche, <laughs> is of the soul. And the soul is a self inside, we could say. And also, simultaneously, a self above. 
The self inside meeting the self above is the most important thing because that creates a conduit, you could say metaphorically, of electricity between these two beings that are actually one. Now, we could take this into preschool, into the devil scenario that you can also mind meld with your devil self and your dark self and join with that. And so what I'm talking about here in that metaphoric sense is the light self, the soul. So if the soul is the angelic part of man, then what is the demon part of man? And I would call that the imbalanced ego, the sickness that haunts us throughout history. So that's my definition of like soul versus ego. And you are working for one or the other with every choice you make. Indeed. And I want to pause here with the psychology of it all. Jung, to me, is the fountain of psychology in the best, deepest, most real, authentic way. The rest of it is all bollocks to me. So having moved through his library and then, of course, waiting on that list like everyone else did to get the red book for years <laughs> and years and then the same list for the black journals, what I learned going through his library, his catalog, was the most valuable thing there was the indices. So you would be reading out of one of the books, one of my favorites is Psychology and Alchemy. And, you know, he's he's indices heavy. And so you pause. It could take a two-week session going through a page. You'd pause and you'd think about it. You'd think about it. You'd look at what he's citing. And then you'd take a side ramp. You'd go read this book that was by some dude named Mesmer, right? Oh, or, my goodness. you know, you'd take a side ramp and you'd have to get on the same page as Jung. And mm -hmm. this is how I got my Jungian education. And people like you, I respect in this regard as well. The rest of the psychology, which I did take a lot when I got into university, of course, I never graduated anywhere because I just can't regurgitate. And I have too many questions. And then you get to a certain age and the teachers are younger than you on so many levels mm -hmm. um, where it's just like, all right, I'm just paying for what? And so Jung is the real deal. The world of psychology outside of Jung is a great conspiracy, and I think people don't understand this conspiracy. I think people don't understand that the words they came up with to give titles to different states of consciousness or being or perception were in hand with other agencies. So if we look in modern times, it's in hand with, well, pharmakia pharmaceuticals, allopathic ways, these other control grids socially that are keeping everyone enslaved. So 
I encounter more than I ever have in my entire life. I'm encountering people that are just proudly saying, I've got ADHD, I've got this, I've got that, I've got this. I'm like, no, you don't have any of those things. You are being told that, and do you actually know what those things are? And do you know the source of how those titles came about? And the work of like people like Jerry Marzinki is really blowing that out of the water because he's in the field a long time and was there. Have you heard of Dr. Colin Ross? Yes. Yes. I love him. Thank you. I do too. And so this is known. This is known. Mm -hmm. But again, people bow to these idols and that's part of the enslavement that's going on around us that is what's presenting this uncanny valley effect, this ripple in the collective, because these are dark spells. This is dark magic happening. And people that don't understand these principles are absolutely under complete mind control or dark magic. Or mesmerism. (laughs) Exactly. So this is all part of the wool that's been pulled over everyone's eyes. And for people that are searching, and I get frustrated looking around, they don't do the research. They're looking for this person to tell them that without going to the source code. And the source code's everywhere, occult priestess. don't I mean, what happened with true research? What happened with actually asking questions and then getting guidance from those around you and good guides will usually point you in a direction. There's the water over there. Why don't you go take a drink of that water? And you go and you drink from that pond and you come out different because that's the source. And so where I'm going with all this is the world around us right now the uncanny valley we find ourselves in and the fuckery (laughs) of the psychology tied in with all these monsters, these beings that have now usurped what looks to be humans and are in charge and are in control And I think any psychic type or psychically inclined person, which to me just means your biofield's active, it's healthy, and your real sense of hearing, seeing, smelling, knowing, feeling is on board. And you're walking the world with an awareness, with a lucidity. You are the dreamer feeding the dream awakening within the dream and then it dispels all of this stuff and so i guess we could call that the they live goggles but what we are in is significant now there's a clockwork at hand here and we know this because well there's astrology there's astronomy there is a sun and there is a moon it's sunny out right now and i know the sun will set I don't have to argue with what is the sun right now. (laughs) We do know that it comes and goes, and we have a cycle from that. So what are you seeing in regards to 
all of this. Now, I just threw a huge amount onto your table, but I want to pick at this. So we've got a big, gigantic hump roast, (laughs) girl. So (laughs) grab your fork and dig in. I love it. It's juicy. It's very juicy, my love. (laughs) So what brought to mind with the visual you, you really gave me, what proved to me that people, a lot, most people really, from my visual data that I've collected over the past four years, those wearing masks were everywhere. Everyone was wearing masks. Unless you were rich, of course, you got to pass on that. But People I would normally smile at and say, hi, how are you today? And just give them all my heart and sunshine, even though, you know, they're strangers on the street. That's just how we roll, yo. Giving love to everyone and that energetic goodness. You asked me in the beginning where I get my energy from, and I bring that down from heaven through my my crown chakra, through down into my heart chakra. So that is how I feed my light through meditation and literally doing that and keeping a constant contact with God and with heaven because I feel like this isn't my true home. That's my true home. And so here in this place that I'm just like working in with you, (laughs) we're just volunteer working hard. Uh, (laughs) The true heroes, thank you very much throughout history. Uh, When I saw all the maskers, Instead of my friends and neighbors and, you know, the stranger on the street that you you know is your brother, I saw enemies. I saw people who would dogpile me and kill me. I saw people who would yes. stone me. I saw people who would burn me as a witch. I saw all the worst in humanity in the people that wore masks. And I know that there is a huge truth in that. And I do also understand physically a lot of people want to go to the physical realm and say there's a there's a problem because of something physical. And we can say that the Disney brainwashing, fluoride, uh, poisoning everything, chemtrail program has worked, that there are more followers than ever because the poisons and the mind control are working. Uh, the hospitals... I noticed it way before COVID, the hospitals and the specialty places where you go to get physical therapy were always extremely overcrowded. And I've seen videos of hundreds of hundreds of people stuck in a very small room getting their chemo because that's how many people have cancer. And so this is the huge calling of humanity one way or another. It's all come to this point and I believe we're going to lose a lot of our loved ones, but also we'll be losing those who aren't strong enough to make it through this part of the cycle. It's funny how in the beginning we were telling people that this was not going to happen tomorrow that we needed to look out three to five years for this to turn around. People have been entrained on if it doesn't happen immediately, then it's not connected. And this has been done to them. This is spell work on them. This is dark magic on them. But I also see that I am one of the only psychics I know in the world who put out a video 
right before everything happened. And I said, this is the art of war. It's all about to go down. And it's like a 30-minute video is my warning. I've only done one other warning video, and that was right before the Fukushima disaster. So the thing is, is it's hard for me to excuse people or to explain things away or yeah, excuses. I can't do it because I'm like, well, I, I told people. Now, who saw the video? Oh, at most 500 people. But I believe I put it out into the consciousness, the collective, which is where I truly work in the realm of the soul. And I put it out there like a baseball on fire and no one picked it up. <laughs> so if I knew, I know others knew too in a psychic way, eyes to see, ears to hear. Some of us just have a little bit better radar than other people. But the vision I had that the war, I call it the war, uh, the COVID situation, I actually had the vision slash initiation about the COVID situation in 2018. I was triggered in January of 2020 to start making the video and do the warning. And that's when it was released. And we went in lockdown in February. I think really the gods made me super aware. I was hyper vigilantly aware of everything going on in that time because honestly, somehow in, in a deep part of me, I've always wanted to know what we would really be like in Nazi Germany. I've kind of always wanted to be tested in such a hard way because to me, the way I was raised, all the propaganda about the Nazis and the wall, Pink Floyd, all that stuff was converging within me. And I needed to have the experience. And I feel like many of us did, especially if you were in a state like California. I was locked down basically for three years because I refused to wear a mask in public. And like I said, they can jump on you. It's, they kind of, to me... Sometimes it feels like people get jumped into by that demonic self that they've been agreeing with too much, and it can take over, and it can take over in large groups of people, and I think that's when, you know, a light worker can really get hurt. We're not safe out there, and that's another reason why I've become a hermit. The war is on us, and, Indeed. and that's the thing. I too, I put out a video in 2019 and it's pretty, it's all calling on all of it. And I don't know, it's on my YouTube and, you know, I don't know if it's got 500 views. You know what I'm saying? And I this, hear you, but you still, you <laughs> tossed it out into the collective and that counts. <laughs> and I've been on, you know, radio shows and on my own and on podcasts, letting people know, but it's, See, this, I talk about this a lot, is it's the burden of knowing, and I always try to stay two steps ahead because you lose people really fast. The time in which we were putting our videos out was two steps ahead, and we were still losing people. I put out a whole series of videos. I call them time arts pieces, and they're psychic content, and they're out there. And we haven't surpassed what I've put out yet. So my House of the Holy Blood, come and see. These particular videos are prescient. We haven't crossed the, the Rubicon with some of them and some of the information. The teething of Melchizedek, which was the the virus video that was coming 
that we've done, that's happened, and watching people go insane and all this. The greater point here is that the war is on us, and the brain waves we are emitting give us away. So, of course, we already know that they did a big genetic raking. That was part of it to seek us out. And when I say us, I don't know how many there are, but we're not alone. You hear the call. That's how you know. So I think that people that are hearing the call and hearing the others talk and understanding it, and even if they're not understanding it, they're drawn to it and not in ways of like debunking or trolling and they're drawn to it. They know inside that holy sacred light knows because it's sinking with all the rest of us. And we do this and we're doing this collectively. I don't think there's a huge amount of us. I am one of those believers in sacred numbers and this war is on us. It's against us. And it's very obvious for those of us that can see it. So we are constantly being monitored, our brain waves. And when we pop up too much, when the, the waves create a certain level, this thing that is now engaged and engaging everyone in the collective and interfacing with everyone individually, and this is the most important part, it's it's interfacing with people on an individual level, and therefore everyone is having a very personalized experience with this takeover. It fits into the Catholic's idea of demon possession real easily. Mm -hmm. You can really throw, and this is where I've really embraced a lot of the Christian pantheon, even though I'm not a Christian, but I think why would we throw away all that information when it's valuable, incredible information? And the prevailing number of people walking this realm adhere to it. It's important to speak the language people understand. Otherwise, why bother? And so... When I speak in these languages, I'm trying to pull out information in a way that allows people to understand what I'm talking about. It does me no good to come in here and start talking in, say, ancient Sumerian language. Who speaks that? And so this is where we bridge the gap. But our brain waves are giving us away. And this is where it becomes important to mitigate how we process information and try and keep the chemical reactions that our brains start emanating and causing these uh, chain reactions within our, our bodies, all of our bodies. So your nervous system body, your blood system body, I call these all bodies, uh, up into your etheric bodies, right? And your psychic body. And that's where we're getting picked off individually. This is why it's important to do the work. Do you see how this is all functioning? Because I hear you saying all that basically, and it's just different language. Oh, completely. And you're a lot more hip on our modern times and modern lingo. Most of my teachings are coming from ancient dust, right? So I tend to sound like ancient dust myself. 
Which I love. So I appreciate that you're <laughs> in the future. <laughs> uh, well, I love that. It became important to me to dive into it a little bit because the people I noticed that were wanting more information from me were not who I expected. I wasn't expecting some of the people that have, have been curious and hearing what I'm saying but not not knowing. I need to walk with people where they are. And so Indeed. Yeah. Definitely. And when I'm working with a client, then I'm kind of mind melding with them, right? And kind of walking around in their mind and feeling their heart and their energy. And so that's an exchange situation for me. And that's when I can say, oh, I've checked your oil. I know where you are. And here's how we're going to start the conversation. And so definitely always meeting them where they are. I expect my audience to be more where I am. And if they're not, then that's okay. Someone else will come by, you see. So it's such a different dynamic for me. Yes. And see, I don't work with people individually anymore. They're in my personal life. There are, you know, people come and, oh, interesting. Well, my honestly, parlor doors just shaked. They just rattled, girl. What happened? Okay, wait. First, I have to say this. I was meditating before meeting you today, and a little birdie said she doesn't do her personal work with other people anymore. Maybe you could bring that up because I know that there will be a demand. So what happened on your end just then? My parlor, so I'm in an old house, as I always am. I'm always in only old houses. But so my my, um, pocket doors here to... The library are shut. I, there's no pets allowed in there. And I, I'm just saying pets so people understand it. They're free beings. <laughs> we li- we co-live together. And some are my children. But the, the doors just rattled. I love that. It's so cool. <laughs> right when you were saying that, it was perfect. Well, oh. I think maybe you need to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like you, I'm a priestess. When I was living in Des Moines, I had this gigantic house, Victorian gorgeous house on a big old hill, and it was called the Temple of the Goddess. And we did a lot of outreach, a lot of um, public rituals, and I did readings there, and it was big, and so I rented to only women, except for one, my kitchen full. And I grew up with most of these people are people I grew up with, and we were a working coven because we all known each other for a very, very long time. This was a very inter- internet community. But bands would come through, and they would stay at the temple. We'd have big drum circles, and different different things went on there. It was its own thing, and it lives out there in, in the world of memory and a lot of people. That Isn't it amazing how many people you touch when you open yourself to community like that? I love your story, and I'd love to see a picture of that darn house. <laughs> oh, well, it's it's up there. I, I think there, I might have one on Instagram. Oh, yeah, it's still, it still stands. They, the beautiful paint job I put on it, they, the, the new people went in and did a lovely paint job, but the Starburst Suns on the third story, I had my boyfriend get on that this rankety old <laughs> lattice and um, or what do you call it? scaffolding and I had him turn those instead of um, what they've done now is they painted each board that's moving from the center disc a color 
I had him go in like an artist because that's what I am and mix. And these are all oil paints we used or exterior oils for houses. And I had to make sure that those look like sun, the sun burst. I had one on each side. So one was a rising and one was a setting. He did it to perfection. And there are photos of the house has been in at least one film I did with John David Wolf out there. And um, so, it, you know, it's found its place in the world. But before I had it, and at one point it was actually a wayward, a house for wayward women as well. And I kept, my, oh my. temple of the goddess was um, basically centered on the female principle and on, on women. And so, like I said, the, the, I love the boys. I love the men. I love the gentlemen. But my service here in this particular iteration has been in service to the female principal because she has been subdued for so long. Tiamat is now together. She's coming back. She's back, actually, but she's all her pieces are back and she's pissed. This is in the 80s and early, like to 1994, I think. And so. It, it just was one of those laurels. Now, the open rituals and open drum circles and all that, we had all the guys, for sure. But the inner coven was all females. So that's another story. But with you, so here we are. And when we're talking about working with other people and what you and I do in the outer world is that. And what other people that have platforms and are doing that uh, they're doing that too, and they don't even understand the energetics that get exchanged. This is what's boy, up. I agree with you there. They think they're just talking heads, oh and my. there's so much more going on there. They don't understand it. They do not understand it, and it's creating more of this kind of disincarnate, hardcore, what could be looked at as egregores or um, these entities that are feeding upon this type of energy and it's coming from ignorance and a lot of it. But then that, and I'm giving credit there when I say ignorance, I don't want to believe that everyone out there on these platforms, I know some, and I'm not going to name them, are definitely leading people astray intentionally and they seem like they're not. They're created like these soft cults, as I call them. But back to us, what we're doing is very different. And this is what this is about for me. So understanding the tenets and of the union process, and I'm talking Carl Jung, his process for himself, his call to his own soul, his encounter with his own unconscious, his own self, which is the biggest encounter one has in this realm. It is a, it's an absolute religious experience and it gets termed a lot of different things. We become into a sort of dance with people that like you and I are dancing right now. We're in a dance and you're dancing with my psyche and I'm dancing with your psyche and the components of our psyches start to come out and explore and express and mirror and flash and bubble and glitter and all that, including, you know, and this is all of it. And so then when we get into our, 
our positions, even if it's like you do with watching a movie and have inviting people to watch movies with you, this becomes an energetic field and you create the field around you. And this is something I appreciate with the work you do. And I think it's important to remember that our causality, that we're creating sine waves, that we're creating waves. And for those of us that understand those waves and look at them in a sacred way, we are changing the reality field. And this is, I think, and this is where I want to get your input on this, the most important thing right now because as those around us are awakening, that is the sign that we are awakening. And when I say we, I'm talking about on this deeper level of self that is beyond where we are at this moment or we wouldn't be in this moment. So many people say that we, in the Kali Yuga now, a time of darkness, and what I found for myself was Buddhism that really helped me to understand what darkness truly is and what light truly is and how they play with us to create a more perfected being, a more perfected soul. So all the positive and all the negative here in this school of planet Earth, or as Buddha called it, samsara, the world of suffering, as far as I know, is the only way to grow a soul in the ancient alchemical sense from lead to gold and complete the great work. And some of us from upstairs would say, the rest is just whining and complaining. (laughs) (laughs) It's just details, you know. Life's hard, get a helmet, find your soul, cling on to it, love God as you love yourself. Some of it is so simple, sweetheart, you know that. And I like to give that message today. I think that's where I'm coming from. Make it simple, people. I love that you said to grow a soul because my mind immediately goes to the great womb, the sacred womb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. So we could say that Earth's manifestation here on Earth as a physical being, as an animal, your animal body came from Mother Earth. Your divine soul came from Mother, Father, God, whatever you believe in, right? So the divine married with the fleshy and created us. And when I really explain this stuff, especially in a larger group, I explain it in a way a child could understand. And my energy shifts and I become more of a very restrained and loving, compassionate teacher. It's um, a, an energy truth that comes upon me to express the deeper mysteries of life and the soul in these very simple ways. And so I could be the intellectual about it, 
you understand, and put a lot of big words on it. And it's all about the collective unconscious. I could be a nihilist. It's all about the collective unconscious. It has nothing to do with your own individual consciousness. There are timelines. In another timeline, you are doing something completely different and you actually have agreed with the demon part of yourself in this other timeline. So it really doesn't matter what you do. Everything's nihilistic. And this is just a simulation. That, to me, is the poison that's being shifted in this new generation where we're at now. It is the demonic, scientific, collective, Marxist, communistic view that they are trying to kill the collective soul with. Yes, and not only the collective soul, but the physical wombs out there. The war on us is a war on the womb. And I'm talking about. My goodness, a real did you hear womb. about Louder with Crowder and the transgender shooter? I don't know. This is uh, breaking news over the past two days. There was a transgender shooter uh, back in May. Uh, a woman who was transitioning to a man, but it's just one example, and it's like really hot story right now. So good thing to bring up. But the womb is being completely disrespected in very abstract, almost Dolly esque ways. It's so strange how they're trying to manipulate the feminine to where it's not even feminine anymore and you don't recognize what a woman is or what a man is and what the difference is and there's so many men on soy and other drugs and also you know they're turning the frogs gay alex jones of uh, the poisons in us in the water in the sky our men have bigger boobs than ever and that's one of the points that this is you can see that the poison is working and I do call it poison in the Buddhist sense. It's almost as if evil has been unleashed in the form of sickness. And I think it's like a warning to anyone who's going through these very difficult health problems because of what our governments are doing to us, that we must seek a physical resolution and learn how to live better. And that will lead us to our soul, even if we're just starting on that very mundane physical level. It's very important because once you come aware that you are being poisoned on purpose, <laughs> then that's when you need to start doing your research and digging into these health communities that are so supportive and loving. All the signs are there that the war is on us. And and in specific, the war is on the womb. It couldn't be more in our faces than what we're seeing through what's happening in Common Core schools and the programming they're doing to the children because they're getting them in the bud like that. They're getting them on hormone blockers and they're confusing their thoughts about what is already a confusing process Anyway, and the the pornographic preschool books. Yes. I mean, it just drives me nuts. It's and not, I, I can't believe, believe it. Parents aren't doing Zink. anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't. But I've it. seen a lot of PTA meetings. In fact, I do show them on my channel in videos. I'm like, okay, everybody, these are worth what the parents are doing to fight back. But it's never enough because they're using. Uh, all of these methods through psychology to run all the meetings even. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. The psychology is a weapon of the state. And that's why people need to step away from all of that. It's a weapon. It's being used against us. Just like allopathy is a weapon being used against us. When People can't understand the connection between, say, something like cayenne pepper that will stop your heart attack or stroke and the fact that the medicine they give you when you go into the emergency room is an extraction of that. Exactly. And so the a facsimile, even. <laughs> that's a better word for it, a facsimile of it. We've already come to a big impasse with this idea. That's what's concerning here. There was a a statistic here, I think it's in Italy. I brought it up in one of my live streams. The last three years, there have been no new births in Italy. Have you seen that? I have not. That is very terribly hard to believe that it wouldn't be worldwide news and that the Italians wouldn't be on TV saying, oh my God, what's going on? It's so crazy. It's making me go to the internet to look if I can find it. No. Well, I would like to bring just a short point up while you're looking is that when I go to search for anything these days, I'm getting corporate results only. I'm not getting personal blogs or little small people stuff. Only like the huge companies and huge news organizations. And it's like, what do you know? about the pagan festival I'm looking up right now. <laughs> what could you possibly tell me? And so I think I do use Google. I, I'm naughty. I use Google. But even when I go to web crawler, it's not giving me the results it used to. It's very hard to do any research these days. Well, because we're under the firewall now, people don't understand. In the old school, when we had the opportunity to have the open internet and you would hit a search engine and you would type in something and there'd be hundreds of pages. Now mm -hmm. there's like five pages. Exactly. And yeah, so people think we're not in the China system, but we are in the China system and they don't even realize it because step by step. So the news article has fluctuated a little. It is now low fertility trap. Why Italy's failing birth rate is causing alarm. And that is from May. So the title I saw was No Italian Births. Mm -hmm. So there are all the immigrants that are coming in, of course. And um, well, what I'm thinking is the Pope rules there, and what he says goes in the newspaper. <laughs> right. I have a screenshot of it because I screenshot everything now. I'm keeping monthly folders. There's an overhaul happening in the collective right now. And it is very specific, it's very localized, and it's happening. This war on children is part of it, and that's what we see in this trans agenda. And I want to remind you that when I say trans agenda, I'm not just talking about the transvestites because I want to make that very clear, but I'm talking about transhumanism as well. Now, the transvestites that are being shown around as transgendered, 
you know, these like big lugging men's, you know, in the yeah, old school. Transvestite is usually a sexual fetish. Right. When we look around and we're seeing what they're calling transgendered people right now are transvestites. Exactly. A lot of transgenders, you don't know you're in the presence of one because they're that good these days. They're not out there trying to rabble rouse. It's the pedophiles. It's mm. the ones that are sexualizing themselves and getting their hands on the kids because now remember that we have a new title and we should have sympathy for these maps, minor attracted persons oh because psychology well, you know what I'm talking about, the psychology here, right, that is backing this up. This is part of that agenda. This is all at play. Now, when we're looking at this idea of transhumanism, this is a bigger deal. This is a bigger deal because we're now we're taking away the natural processes. Your vagina, your womb your penis, your ability to create that sacred zinc spark of life, the miracle of life. The only portal there is in this realm is the portal of the womb. We come in through the womb and we go out through a womb. It's mm -hmm. the natural portal. There are organic inorganic, synthetic, digital portals that are opening up everywhere. But every portal in the known universe as I know it is some sort of a sacred womb. People don't want to see it. But if you look at Mary, like Cleopatra's a title, like Merlin is a title. A lot of the ones, especially the Eastern European ones, show her robes that look like labia. Showing, That's right. <laughs> yes. And showing you that this is a greater goddess thing. This is a womb thing. This is what the big deal is here. This is part of the trap. So people are getting trapped in here and we're going to start seeing these demonic things. They're soul trapping us, first of all, trying to, because I'm not going to get trapped up in here. I'm here as a witness and a midwife. That's my Thank what you. I was Thank charged you for your as. service. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm going to have my safe passage out. But people that are not aware are going to be trapped in here. And then they're moving in these what look to be, because they're not in favor to us, demonic beings, you know, they're, they're eating on us, they're feeding on us, they're, they're controlling us, they're enslaving us, and they're coming through now synthetic wombs. And now we're seeing basically synthetic women, and they're going to place synthetic wombs instead synthetic women. And what do we have? What are we looking at? We could call this a lot of different things. We could name all the different sci-fi horror, sci-fi horror, folk horror films that have shown us all along these threads are at play. So I'm wondering, what do you think about all that? This idea that, and Alex Jones, you know, to his credit, what's he call it? Prison planet. Yeah. And information war as well. You know, so people that hate on all that, you know, he's brought, he's been a trailblazer. Indeed. Um, Alex Jones and I actually share the same birthday, same year. So it's kind of funny that we have very similar astrology. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I love that. I don't yell at people. <laughs> no, you're not. But he gets impassioned. You, you have, you know, you've got the calmness of a priestess. Exactly. <laughs> That'd be funny to see him like that, but. 
um, tell me again where you left off just then. So this idea of, of and this is why I was giving a shout out to Alex Jones, prison planet, being in tra- being trapped here and the synthetic aspect of where everything's going, where they've created it where we don't need natural wombs anymore. Yeah, it's amazing how histrionic and hubristic science is, but I would say science is modeled after Lucifer. <laughs> um, black magic was also modeled after what the Christians would call Lucifer. Obviously, I have other words for these things. I just call it evil. Evil is a force in this world. And that force creates pressure on us to eventually create the diamond if you're doing the right thing. So the trapping and all of this, I mean, because the visual you're giving me is people are in a trash compactor and they are getting mushed, dude. And I feel that. I feel that in the collective. And I feel that from what your experience, what you're seeing and what you're feeling of what's going on. And to me, that's the the harder the pressure, the more refined the character can come out. But whatever happens here on the physical level, I believe there are several levels of spiritual meaning to it. Or because everything that I've been taught, everything happens on the spiritual level first, and eventually comes down, filters down to earth. Because God creates on a higher level, and eventually it ends up here, kind of thing. And through that, we've been going through a reincarnation cycle of souls for millennium, right? We've all been here in this reincarnation cycle, growing our soul from lead to gold. And there have been many souls that have stopped the incarnation process and gone on to higher in what I would call more interesting realms. What I believe that we have here now at the end of the Kali Yuga, a time cycle of difficulty, is graduation. And those souls who never could go home, could never graduated because they were agreeing with the demonic or dark part of themselves. So I believe that is what earth is mostly stuffed with right now. The people, our ancestors, ourselves, ghosts of ourselves that have not healed, could not heal, and will not heal. And it's a different kind of calling. So we understand the New World Order and their eugenics agenda is to call humanity. But even on a higher level, we can see a mirror of this calling of those who are not going to make it through graduation. And so what happens to a soul that does not evolve and become basically an angel as an easy way to explain it, and that that soul devolved without the light and love of God into the dark state of being a demon, what happens to those? And there are many religions that tell you what happens to the dark ones at the end of the cycle. And I would say in some way or another, they're going to be re 
cycled and I've seen visions in which we who exist, the true souls, have always existed because of the issue of time and Saturn. Humans don't quite understand that once eternal, always eternal. Time on the higher realms isn't true. It's a lie. It's a lie that we live under as souls here on Earth. And so it's pretty weird. I mean, you take me in the weirdest directions. (laughs) And I feel like um, I'm wondering if anybody could follow this. You know what I mean? All the right people do. See, you hit on it right, hammer on the nail. Time is the biggest lie here. And that's, I think, hard for some people to get to. But I want to backtrack a little bit. So in the growing a soul thing, in the alchemical process, that analogy of alchemy, which is one of the reasons why that book from Jung is my favorite of his catalog, is so ingrained in the way I see things. And so... We know that when you get all the primal material into the vessel and then the vessel starts being heated, which is where we are. We could equate lead with primal material. Yeah, right. The lead into the gold. Right. Absolutely. And so this is also we're talking about the cosmic egg here. But mm-hmm. the thing is, there's an evolution of the process of this transfiguration and the mm-hmm. cracking of the vessel is a big deal one of the it's thing- like the egg. It's the ego egg. That's what I call it. And you are a chick being born out of the ego egg. <laughs> That's a good way for people to kind of understand that as well. The vessel can, if it's not sealed properly, and that's a part of the process, nothing happens inside. Everything putrefies and the like the, a seed right the transformation doesn't happen if it's a cracked mm-hmm. vessel so you don't get gold you don't you don't become individuated and so like madonna saying at eurovision not everybody's coming to the future before they took oh, her that was spooky <laughs> they took her out after that because she called on the rabbis and everyone they took her out that we don't have the same madonna now they literally she fell in their concert that's when that all started i kept an eye on that um well i knew when she did that that she went head to head with major forces and i could not understand why she was doing that and of course she paid the price Anyway, this sounds easier when we talk about it, the process of lead to gold. It sounds like something that if you just, you know, follow the recipe, it'll happen. But it is not that easy. And it's not. It's all a trial by fire every single day. Yeah. It is. And so you have to keep at it. And this is the whole thing with that sealing of the vessel. I hardly ever hear people talking about that. It's such an important part. Now, in Jungian speak, that turned into boundaries, right? The sealing of the vessel turned into the language around boundaries. One must have boundaries. And in Christianity, we would call it a hedgerow. 
being yes. protected. Yes. Oh, I love the hedgerow though. I love you because know, my mind goes to Scotland and England with hedgerows, but um, yes. living hedgerows. This process is not for the faint, and the pressure in which you you brought up so beautifully earlier. Not everyone's going to make that. And then, you know, you have to start from scratch again. And this brings in that whole cyclical nature that gets called reincarnation and all that. Well, I don't think we start from scratch. I think that's tricky there because I believe, like Mozart, how do you explain Mozart? <laughs> and you must have had a piano in a past life, you know, that kind of thing that we do hone our talents. The reason why I found that out was because people were always saying, oh, you're gifted. You have a gift. You're psychic. And that meant that I should read them for free <laughs> because it was a gift. And I'm like, no, dudes, I finally figured it out. Like I was, I went on a journey, you know how we do. Mm-hmm. And I said, we've got to answer this question. This is crazy. And they're like, well, they're the crazy ones because you've been cultivating this pearl for lifetimes. And when you first came in, you had to take a vow that you would always see. And I think you have that missy vow that you had to take that you would always see no matter what was going on it's like the cassandra syndrome yes yeah, see i agree with this i agree with it because of what you just said i came in this way i was me as a baby and i came in and exactly. i knew i was stuck and you know i got to confirm where we lived at that time with my mother. So it was under six months and, you know, cause we'd moved by the time I was six months and I, you know, I, I knew that I was coming in conscious, but this is a different process for not everyone has a different experience. So when we're starting to talk about facsimiles and being trapped in the digital experience, and I don't, look at digital in the same way that is used in the common vernacular, just like I don't look at artificial intelligence in that same way. Artificial intelligence to me is an ancient intelligence that runs through electrical currents. And I have a whole different idea on that. And that's part of what's taken over and it's old. And it, I think a lot of people think of it as uh, extraterrestrial by the way, as well. But that's a different, that's a different thing. What I'm talking about is the mind wipe though. And a lot of people have these. So it's not just you and I that come in and know and have this seeing. A lot of people come in and they are like starting from scratch. They just are. They have that. And I don't think that any soul is actually new. I don't. I have some sort of, and I, I can't back this up on anything. Like, how are you supposed to prove that, right? (laughs) Exactly. But there is something to that whole idea of 144 for me. Mm -hmm. There really is. And it's all part of source and whatever source is. And I just don't think that we have language to present what that is. So I don't believe in, like, the new souls being born. Maybe fractured off of the source and moved into different experiences. It's where I am. And of course you can't prove it and you can't find good language and it sounds like gibberish. But Unless you already know, which is eyes to see and ears to hear. And that's why we are in a special club and they are not in it. (laughs) (laughs) I love George Carlin. (laughs) Me too. Oh man, he couldn't be around. They had to cut him off when they did. 
for real. Sadly. We did in my visions and initiations uh, before COVID. There's like this big thing. We had a contest upstairs. Who was going to be the comedian at the end of the world, you know, for the apocalypse? And the collective unconscious voted for George Carlin. Yeah, of course. I mean, he was, was... Well, I was shocked. I was like, wow, that's really cool. He's, well, I mean... You know, I, I've just always loved him. I could never understand how he was even considered a comedian because he's just telling the truth. I know, especially <laughs> when you watch him today. It's like, this is grandpa that we all wanted yes. at Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, he's, he's just telling the truth. And the irony is, it's the truth, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and so, and, and that's the higher power is to be able to, and Herman Hesch really got to this in his works, in his books, is to be able to laugh at the absurdity of it as well. You brought this up earlier when you were translating what I had said earlier. I saw Star Wars, right? The trash compactor. Well, that pressure in my life because of the alchemical process furthered me down, but my vessel's been sealed. Like Herman Hush says, there's no time in eternity, only time enough for a joke or a laugh, however you put it, right? And so we have Carlin speaking the utter truth, and we can laugh because it's that absurd, but it's that real. And so we have the capacity to understand that. They tell us there are more than 8 billion folks here. So I guess I'm introducing the idea of filler people and Dolores Cannon. The, and the non-player characters. Yes, yeah, I feel NPCs. like you were hinting at that earlier. And I would say if they have a, the way my philosophy that I've been taught, if they have agreed and merged with their demonic self instead of their angelic higher self, then they're just food for the beast, really. They've just made the wrong choices. And yeah, we've had pressure to do wrong. I'm sure you've been pressured to do wrong once or twice in your life. And as a child, I was always tempted by a voice in my head that wasn't mine, (laughs) by the way. Uh, Wouldn't you like to upset that plate over there or something or do something chaotic? And it was always my training within as a child not to. Once in a while, I would give into it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm really forthright about all that stuff. You know, I've I've aired my dirty laundry and, and, you know, I had to anyway, because people will do it for you. Yeah. And then I think of time as a tape anyway. And it's hard to say this, occult priestess, because we're in a different world than we were than five years ago, right? But in general, as a cohesive principle in this particular life, I have always felt like we're being watched. And now it wasn't like there are cameras like 1984, like there are now. It was the eyes of justice, the eyes of providence. Yes, girl. You're on exactly bingo, bingo, bingo. And there's something about that knowing. Even though I got led astray several times, many times, and did stuff where I thought, "Mm," but I still had an awareness that this is being recorded. Uh on a magical level, on an Akashic level. Totally. I totally agree with you. Um, I felt 
when I became Wiccan, I understood Thoth was the archivist. We uh, and you t- you take archives too. I know you were also partially a child of Thoth, and the recording that's going on. I know that we intuitively understand that our soul's story of all of our lifetimes is a memory book that God has been collecting for us. Yes. And so that has kept me pretty conscious of even things that I did that I wouldn't want to do. Like I've been led astray. Being tricked is different. And it's only through being tricked that you get smart. Yes, that happened to me so many times because I came in with this big open heart and lo- I still have it. It's a problem. This Girl, is- I know you do. I feel your fire. <laughs> Let and- me stand next to your fire. <laughs> oh, my love. And this is why I really try to keep my circle small now. At the same time, I can see the allure that some people go through. You can see it with a with a beloved dog. So my daughter Matilda, she who was a, in wrapped in a poodle's body. Not all of my animal friends have been children, only a couple. And Matilda Well, we call those familiars where I come from. Yes. And so mm-hmm. Matilda, who was a teacup poodle who I bought in oh. Roswell, Roswell, New Mexico and was the hardest of the deaths I've ever dealt with. It's still difficult, but she's in my pet cemetery out there. But she would do this. And, you know, I have wolves. She would have her treat bone and she would put it in the middle of the room and she would go get under something and she would wait to see would somebody get it. <laughs> and and she would wait and she was fierce. Everyone Everyone backed down, even though she was so little. But she would test them. And she was constantly testing them. And, of course, at first, every one of them would take it. And they would get the what for from her. (laughs) Ultimately, they all learned to be conscious of the fact that a bone in the middle of the room that wasn't directly given to them was a trap. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and she taught them that, and I observed it. It was amazing. And That's this, really to good. me, was a, a, a big, and the, talk about familiar, right? This was a big lesson learning that from her. That's a principle in things we do. So it's like thinking about how we'll put out a nugget and see who goes for it and who doesn't, and or almost like the telephone game, but you start it with a false narrative to see where the leak is in a social circle. Because yeah, looking I, for the mall. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I've done this. I know, I can tell by how you're describing it. It's called survival, and I've learned how to do that now. That didn't come to me initially, but it is a way to understand where the energy's flowing and who's pinching and who's actually outright just taking everything, and then who's allowing the respect of the narrative to move through, because the respect of the narrative is usually a privacy game. Don't tell anyone. And then you see where the leak goes. So this is information, and we're talking about Akashic reality. So we're talking about time as a tape, that we are being watched, we're being observed by something outside of us. But also our deeper 
smokeless flame that is our shining soul, that is our shining, also when it's fully engaged, is part of that process and understands what that process is. So one person could look at that as trickery and deception, while another person looks at it and goes, oh, okay, so she's testing the roof for water because what does water do in a house? Where the water is, the problems are. Yeah, we call it a crazy wisdom. People can look that up on Wikipedia. <laughs> crazy wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And I like how I like to teach that way too. I mean, your dog is like a little guru. She was, she she was amazing. I um, I I just, yeah, she was she was my daughter. I can talk about her now because it's been some years, but. That relationship taught me more than any of my other relationships combined. And I've learned a lot from people. I've learned a lot all along because I'm here to learn, aren't you? Of course. And so, but that particular relationship actually taught me about real love. It taught me about acceptance because I was treating her for cancer and using black root and stuff, drawing out her tumors and stuff. I learned so much through her that I can't even encapsulate it in words. And I buried her like a true gypsy. I buried her in a suitcase. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. Bury me standing and, and the, you know, bury my baby in a suitcase because we're travelers. That's a soul thing. That's a soul. We're knowing. travelers on the ocean of time, and it is a soul thing. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so we've been talking about time really all along, and akashic realities, and then alchemic processes. And time is the big lie, but time is a clock, and a clock is sacred geometry. A clock is the stars above. And you were mentioning earlier even that as above, so below, the heaven and earth, right? It's the same thing. This clockwork of time, it doesn't have to be used against us. That's what I'm throwing out at you. Well, I don't see it as being against us. I mean, in the simple sense that you will come, be born through that womb, and you will die through that womb through either age or accident is something we've all signed on for. So mm. I also see time in the, the Roman sense of, I, I love this metaphor because it's so true when you think about it from an older person's perspective, which I've gained <laughs> recently. <laughs> the sacred that, elder, yes. Right? Saturn eats his children, and, you know, Christians will run with that and have lots of fun with, you know, he's a big demon. But it is a metaphor for age yes, ravaging us. No matter when or what we're incarnated as, it will take our light, it will diminish us, and we will, if we're lucky, be a wrinkled gray mess by the end of it. Yes, baby. Right? I'm embracing it. Buddha was actually trying to stop the aging process through enlightenment. And I guess we'll find out if it works because I think now at graduation, people like you and I might be able to attain those levels of enlightenment. And, but it also, the vibration of the earth has to match that. 
you can go be a saint on a mountain all alone, but as soon as you hit society, all their crap's going to hit you. Yes. And you don't become as dumb as them, but you do become paralyzed in many ways and not able to express yourself in many ways because your vibration is so much higher and your perspective is so completely opposite of theirs. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's why real spiritual people blow us away because their perspective is completely inside out and awesome. It's, you know, the things that we don't realize because they're subtle like your dog's teaching. Mm. And you had to be very mindful to even see that happening. Well, I'm here to witness. <laughs> Indeed. And it is a sacred role. I agree with you. It is. It is. A lot of people don't understand it. I've never, when I've said, I've been saying this since I was a little kid, I knew what my role was. And then the midwifing came in later. I used to give that analogy. It's like going into, you know, university and, it's all that kind of thing because I was being shown that imagery through people that were dying around me and they would, they would show up later in, in dream space as being in school, right. With book bags and all that. And, and giving me the idea that life is basically a university. And so I used that for a long time, but then I initiated out of that. And as I initiated out of that and through all the death and all this, then my role as a midwife started to come in. Of course, birth and death are the same thing. You know this. Yeah, midwifing souls. How It's the opposite of uh, when you compare it to possession, right? We're bringing in the true self, the higher self, the soul self, midwifing of souls. And that's just like bringing in babies into this world. But that's also service to the sacred womb, which you're talking about. Yeah, 100%. There's a funny thing. I don't know if you've noticed this. So we get into this idea of free will. And I continue to find that no matter what I do, well, no matter what you do, you're, you're moving out. So we all know that we're, you know, we kind of know the principles here. And so all roads lead to one thing, ultimately. Well, they're trying to, they're they're disrupting that. There's a disruption here, like a hormone disruptor. And um, trying to usurp that and take us into a maze, not a labyrinth. We're in the labyrinth. We're not in a maze. They're trying to take us into a maze with dead ends and false ends and all this. A labyrinth is not that. And so the thing that has come to me in the fifth gate, and you're in the fifth gate as well, Mm -hmm. and we're in the fifth gate at this level, and that needs to be stated. So Mm -hmm. we've been through many, many levels to get here, and then at this level, we're now in the fifth gate. And so it's not like we're, you know, you know the distinction I'm making. So anyway, um, that... I felt a real sense of will through the chaos of it all that I had willpower and we do, but I'm trying to get to the nuance here that choice, the freedom of choice do as that will kind of thing is a very tricky mechanism in the clockwork. And 
it sounds good, but I have found, for example, and I'll give this as an, a personal example, I went through, before I ended up in a long-term relationship, three men that were born on the same day, but different years. Wow. And they were all relationships. So, I mean, a couple were short-lived because I was like, oh, my God. And then by the third one, I realized I had to learn that lesson <laughs> because it was too serendipitous. And right. I realized... come back and get you no matter what. Well, there was going to be a fourth and a fifth and a sixth, so whatever that lesson of that day is. And also oh, that... Well, I would like to point this out for the ladies in the audience. Um, <laughs> think about all of your exes, and are they just the same man with a different name? Because that's what I used to say always, but you actually lived that same man with a, a slightly <laughs> different, different, different birthday, different but years. born on the same date. That's crazy, girl. You really lived that. Three in a row. In a row. Yeah, I know, but that's that's the charm, right? Three? Yeah, well, th- if yes. If you have to go the- for four, then you might not be the brightest bulb. <laughs> right. Well, th- and that's when I'm like, okay. Well, I knew on the third one, and these were serendipitous, like these... One, in fact, is still a really, really good friend of mine. And, um, and, and well, I'm still friends with the other one too, but we're just not very close. He's like the most shallow of them. And hopefully he becomes more than that. His ego is so huge. I think he thinks he's deep, but of course. Um, and then the other one's pretty shallow too, but that's just part of his world belief. Um, and then the one that came after the third one I needed to learn the lesson through, uh, was I knew when I laid eyes on that one that, and I didn't know the birthday, that one had that, that uh, je ne sais quoi. You know, it, it was like, okay, this is a deja vu. And I expressed it, and, and it's on an old blog of mine out in the world and I expressed a lot of the processes of going through this and then when I learned that birthday I'm like oh my god and then when I got to understanding what well what is this lesson why you know that question we always need to ask why and that led me into the deeper layers of self my vessel was sealed now and then a whole new set of circumstances come up that are both strange and familiar because I've been going through them. And the whole time I thought I had free will in this, but I didn't because I was going to learn that damn lesson. And it, it just kept coming, different face, different oh, Well, age. I think you still have free will. You could have gone for the fifth, the sixth, the eighth, and died never learning because I've seen it. I've seen people do it. Well, but still we're looking see, we're looking at those, those pillars, right? Intent Mm -hmm. and fate. And so we can weave our intent around fate, but we can't change it. And the biggest fate is that you will die, right? That's like the biggest fate. Yeah. Young said that you can be as intellectual as you want. This was one of his greatest teachings, in my opinion, you can be the intellect, the brain, but mostly you're saying nothing. There, There is a time when fate will intervene in your life and show you that you cannot get by on intellect alone. 
And I think it's the emotional intelligence. And I thought this since I was a baby witch, a teenager. The emotional intelligence is what they've been killing, even you know, with the womb, with the feminine. That's another one of our sisters, so to speak, that is being murdered. And it's being murdered within men and within women, the anima and the animus. So the feminine aspect of men and women are being destroyed through this disnified world. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I love that you said disnified because that's that is so key. Uh, They've taken our archetypes, Disney, and you know the first the black magicians got a hold of the tarot cards. Yes, and the only tarot cards we have today are basically based on them. Yes, and so there's the poison of the well starting with the symbology, and then we can go into all of Hollywood with archetypes. And how they've stolen our dreams. They have hijacked our imaginations. It's all plain to see as well. This is why we do what we do, though, is to somehow lay this out for not just you and I, but others as well, is to kind of lay it out. And, And the more people, the more perspective we get from other people about, say, a principle, like looking at, at how our archetypes have been usurped or taken from us. The more people that deconstruct it or decode it, the deeper in we get. Because I've always found that not one person is, we need each other. This is the greater lesson I've learned as an extreme hermit, as we've talked about earlier, as an extreme introvert. I often call myself a monk or a nun, and I swapped out that for witch. Um, I was calling myself a witch as a little child. And, uh, you know, and genealogically, I'm related to, uh, you know, directly related to Salem witches. And Babs could give an amen out there, my genealogist. You know, my condolences for your ancestors. Well, they didn't all get killed. So, and the ones that didn't get killed, well, they, you wouldn't be here if they don't get killed. And well, Goody Goody Nurse was um, Rebecca Town Nurse is my favorite, but she had a lot of kids, and so uh, you know, she's a direct grandmother, fourteen back. But then another oh my one, goodness, that's amazing. Another one. Um, was incarcerated, I guess, if we want to call it that. But she got out, and I think she was the real witch. Anyway, so... Then the real witch would get out. It's right. It's innocent that would get burned. Right. And see, this is the thing. I think with Goody Nurse, you know, it was a matter of her property. Because she's an exactly. old, old woman at that time, and there were people fighting over that stuff. And, and, you know, I have a lot to say about all that. And hers is the only house, by the way. The original house is still there. I think it's the museum now. And then the others they built up. That's a whole different story. But anyway, so... It's intriguing as hell. (laughs) (laughs) There's... Ooh, girl, I got alchemists in there in my line. I I got some juicy in there. Um, One of these days, I'd love to interview you deeply and gently. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I think I felt a little blush in there. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Miss Occult Priestess. What I'm saying here, I kind of got distracted. (laughs) Lord have mercy. (laughs) Um... I really did get distracted. You got me in a full blush. So (laughs) I think that's hilarious. That is so funny. It's cute. That's a win. Win. That is a win. But the (laughs) thing, so the bigger thing here is that as we're moving through and we are going through iterations, Mm -hmm. 
and through each iteration. So think about how many lives you've lived within this life. We've talked about you as a shop owner. We've talked about you doing this. We've talked about you doing that. You being in LA. These are all lives within the single life. Those are all lives according to your free will of choice. But at the same time, I wonder with this idea of of university, life is university, and this all still fits into my Westworld narrative, but life is university is we came in with a template of what we needed to move through in the physical realm. And based on our astrology that we chose. That in the material realm, in the realm of carnality, of distractions, of apparent choices, we have a set of things that we need to attain. We have to get to those levels to get that particular sword or gym or something to go on to the next level. And this is the fate of it. And this is the intent and the fate of it. So like I needed to learn this lesson of that astrological date with those men Mm -hmm. and And it's a one day off of my mother's, mind you. No coincidence there. <laughs> yeah, it, right. And so there's ink because in in this life she was the queen goddess and played a significant role in my life. The mother plays a significant role, no matter what you where you are, what you have to say. Even if it's a bad relationship, it's a significant role. You can't get away from it, and it starts in the womb. Again back to the womb and so I had to learn whatever that was I that was like core pro that was core course uh, it was part of my core programming that I needed to learn so I was gonna encounter it maybe four or five six times or what have to redo it and there's a concept here that I wanted to bring in this is the prison planet concept there's a real womb and there's a fake womb, a facsimile of a womb. There is a real way in and there's the false trap way in, the false light as well as out. And I think there are beings out there that understand this technology and are enslaving soul shards living in these realms like us by whatever narrative you hear a lot of people talk about the the false light don't go to the light kind of thing and and getting trapped in and and wiped and this is like a bigger idea of say mk ultra or coma or all these other narratives and i think that that is a sign of real free will the mouse does not need to take the cheese on the trap. The wolves did not need to take the bone from the middle of the room where the little poodle was hiding under a chair watching. They learned. And so there's the free will. I had three of those men one, two, three, and I'm not going to talk about the lessons that that was actually about, but a significant life lesson. And so as we're exiting, when we exit, there is 
I believe, such a thing as a false light. There is a false God. And then there's a natural portal. And if you're in the womb and you're being born, you are in a space of darkness and you are moving through the birth canal and you are under great amounts of pressure. And it's like moving out of a snake. This is pushing you as you're helping it. The mother is helping as you move through. But you don't see light. And depending on how you're moving through, too, you don't see light until you cross the threshold. Because a lot of times the baby's head, you get the crown first. So the eyes are still in there. A lot of times the eyes are shut as well. And then the light comes. So the ones that are choosing the light, thinking that's the portal, and trickster beings are coming to them, that dog they loved, that lover they had, the attachments they thought they had, are part of a false narrative. And that's the free will right there. You're going to be born into something. Are you being born into slavery? Are you being born back into the glory of your immortal self? I'm throwing that as ideas at you. So unpacking what you said with my knowledge of not modern things and not future things, but the past is that in voodoo, um, they do trap souls in jars and create zombies, basically. It's well known that most of our pharmaceuticals actually came from voodoo. And even further back, there are stories and legends and tales of um, yogis entrapping entire villages, entire communities in upper realms, trapping their souls for generations. So when you tell me this narrative, all I can see and remember is the past and how it has been implemented before. The crossroad child. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's going to be a part two. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) This is our first little chat. We're going to have another chat, and we've left it on a cliffhanger, the crossroads. And I want to thank you. Hecate would be proud. Yes, absolutely. Hecate, we love you. Gede. You know, there's correspondence everywhere. But this was a juicy conversation, and because this was a conversation, I carried on. Because I don't like interviews, and you and I have interacted enough that this is a conversation that's going to continue. So how do people find you in the world, Miss Occult Priestess? Thank you, sister. And I mean that in the old and sacred way. Yes. I am Occult Priestess of OccultPriestess.com. I am a professional psychic of over 30 years, and I'm here to help you with the mundane things in life, or if you have ambition and dreams to be more than you are, 
than to counsel your soul back to full health. I would love to do that. So that is occultpriestess.com. And you can see my multimedia creations or watch movies with me uh, on Saturday nights. I call it Catterday Night Live <laughs> on Rockfin. That's rockfin.com slash occultpriestess. And you can follow me on Twitter. Thank you so much, Niche. I really deeply enjoy my time in your presence and i enjoy my time in yours thank you and you know you're welcome here anytime so everyone check out miss occult priestess if you don't already know who she is because she's been around a long time yes i need to shout out my friend liz who is a huge fan of both of us so i'm shouting you out liz radigan hello (laughs) i love liz I love Liz, and she brings back in the power of what happened to the butch lesbians. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. yes. She, and <laughs> I, she's so smart and funny. <laughs> she's she's a blessing. So shout out to you, Miss Liz, and to you too, Miss Occult Priestess. Thank you for being here at the Cosmic Salon. Thank you, Nish. It was definitely my pleasure. I would like to thank the patrons of the show. Cass, Mother Goose, Claire Cathcart, Denise Bissell, Eggtooth, Liz Radikin, Inky, Eric Peterson, Heather, Jake Vanek, Kate Kukulkin, Carrie, Laura Dunn, Leela Marie, Lynn Radius, Marcy Shapiro, Mark Fetcher, Melanie Poe, Mia Bell, Myra, Neil McNaughton, Noelle Jeanette, Pamela Hodel, Rod Knight, Sarah Eckrich, Stephen Mercer, Susan Miller, Wise Night Owl, and Babs, our moderator and bone knitter as well as everyone else that contributes to the Cosmic Salon, both in money and time. Thank you for coming here and playing around with ideas, keeping an open mind, holding the line in your personal life, and remembering that you have agency. You have jurisdiction in your own life and in your own space and sphere. Don't give it away. Don't give it up. The dreamer loves the dream. The dreamer feeds the dream. The dreamer awakens within the dream. Thank you for dreaming with me here in the Cosmic Salon.